So, now I'm aware, we're all aware that we're in different places in the in that kind of process of inquiry, in the process of feeling into what it's like to be here. And so, what's been helpful this morning is to talk in response to some questions in a little more detail about the Anapanasati Sutta to really keep it located in this broader experience of what's going on. So always it's about (coughs) coming into embodied presence and and the, the whole practice of working with the breath is about strengthening our capacity to be able to hold something and inquire into it. And the breath is a reasonably pleasant thing to do this with. It can be a very delicious thing to do this with. But it's a way of learning how to be fully embodied and present with an experience. And it takes us through spirits of body, spirits of feeling, spirits of mind, mind objects. So it's, it's very profound. But in any moment, we're cultivating being with the way things are. Yeah. So as we talk about the, the kind of way mindfulness of breathing can, can deepen and start revealing itself, Never are we talking about making something happen. Yeah. Always meeting what is actually our process. Yeah. So we sit down, establish mindfulness in front of us. You know, every time we sit, it's the beginner's mind. You sit, you feel into what it's like to be here, and it can help to start just feeling the body, what's needed to bring it into a sense of balance and ease and we make what adjustments are needed and so we're always sitting or sitting, standing, walking, lying down with a mind that's actually receptive willing to notice what's going on so with the body, so with everything else so the 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 inclination or the the I can't even think of the word, but we can want to just close everything down, yeah, hunk it down, switch every dial that we've got off and just be really quiet. And this is not what we're cultivating. We're cultivating waking up. But it is a a tendency, and what it can be about is actually so much has been going on, we just need a little holiday. And we can take that holiday a different way. We can take it not by hunkering down, closing down, 
that by learning how to rest into the body, into the breath, and let that nourish, sustain, and support us, bring us into a state of well-being, bring us out of fragmentation and stress, so that we have a sense of being completely available. Yeah. So just notice what the feeling is when we sit down. Are we wanting it all just to disappear? And to know that, if that's what's going on. Are we okay with everybody else being here? Or are we just wanting them all to go away? You know, we're just noticing. And what's that about? So it can really help to sit down and be careful with perception. We sit down, we recognize we're in a field of practice. How much easier it is to open into where it is when you've got good friends. So we recognize this. We can bring that in as one of the things we, we, we start with, a sense of gratitude. Here we are. Some of you have known each other a very long time. Others of you, you know, have, are completely new. There's nobody here you know. We're all very different. But what we know about each other is we're all here to wake up and cultivate. Whether you know me intimately or not, whether you know Dina intimately or not, whoever, we know we're all here doing the same work. So we rest into that. We know people are looking after the meal. Isn't it lovely? Those of you that do a lot of cooking at home, just actually, it's none of my business. Such relief. Having this kind of holiday. So we can we can use these actual realities, we can recognise them, and they support us to have the capacity to be here. Wow, I'm in a field of merit. I'm with people who are ethical. I'm a beautiful forest. And what happens when you start bathing the body-mind with these perceptions? Because there is a lot going on, isn't there? And we can choose what we're attending to. And we're picking up wholesome perceptions that allow us to have the capacity to actually feel what's unfolding in our own mind and body. We know, I mean, we can, we can pick up other kind of perceptions, can't we? That, that just make us feel contracted and small. So it's just to notice what's going on and the, the practice is in cultivating what is wholesome. And if all we do for 10 days, 9 days, 
to sit here and really attend to wholesome perceptions. It will be dramatic what it allows. We come in, we recognize our own waking upness, our own aspiration. As Jatindra was saying last night, our own courage to be here. We recognize our commitment to ethics, to harmlessness. We just, we're really feeling ourselves in a bigger way. And then something starts to settle, doesn't it? It's easier to feel the body, to feel ourselves grounded here. The subtle movement away, to close down, to disappear, to rub it all out, it kind of falls away. We're just here. And we can start noticing what that is like. Now, we, as we know, we're here and there isn't a lot going on apart from our direct experience. So a lot of things will wash through the mind and body. This is called purifying the mind. And it's to keep good heart with that, not to panic. And learning how to be with what is happening in a way that brings greater wakefulness and greater feeling of release. So we, you know, as Jatindra and I have been talking, you notice you can notice energetically, you can notice what the thoughts are doing when the mind has been captured by something that is painful by this old resentment of just a tearing at the fabric of our well-being. Mm-hmm. And the trick in all of this is to see the Dhamma. Yeah. Those thoughts are there, but we come into the direct embodied experience of it. Mm-hmm. And it starts to reveal itself as something entirely different. We just we're coming out of proliferation, coming in to a different kind of inquiry. What is here? And everything is revealing the truth when it's actually attended to in the right way. We see the causality. We see the movement. Oh yeah, I don't have to be frightened of any of it. I just have to know how to hold it. Hold it in a way that actually brings well-being. And this is what we're, we're practicing. Here there is the support to meet whatever is arising and ceasing in the mind. Out from here it is more challenging. So we take this opportunity to really strengthen this capacity. And mindfulness of breathing brings 
incredible resilience, doesn't it? We keep feeling the breath, the mind captures attention. We recognize that and we come back as a beginner's mind. Innocently, we're back in the present moment. Not that we ever left it really, but but really we have this, we're learning to recognize when something has been taking us away or hasn't been working or however way we frame it and we can begin again. And you know, we know what that would mean into our lives. So here we're cultivating. And what's really wonderful about this is as we're doing this, something starts changing. There are moments when the mind isn't captured. We're able to be fully here with whatever is happening. It wades through, passes, and we're just really here, and breathing is happening. Breath is doing itself. Yeah. And we're able just to let it come and go. We're able to know when the breath is long and full, and the breath is short. Mind is just happy to rest with the rhythm of breathing. Mm. In this simplicity. Yeah. You know, when we can feel it, we can feel what it's like that the initially the mind it's almost like we're almost having to help it stay with the breath. Almost like replacing it to be with what is happening. And it comes, it goes. And then uh, the mind starts to really just wants to be there. There's no there's no effort in it. It's just here with what is happening. And the breath softens. My experience, it kind of lifts. It's more like awareness and the breath are just together. And we let that experience just be filling, filling the body, the body breath, so that the the, well, there's no efforting, or the effort is just so subtle. The, it feels right for the breath to just be expanding and expanding our sense of body. So the body becomes light, full. It's no longer the arms and legs. We're no longer knowing the body as a kind of thing from the outside actually with it directly as an embodied experience. Yeah. Mm. We know this. And the training is attending to recognize this. <coughs> the whole body breath. 
The body has become light, almost luminous. We're just with the breathing. And we let that quieten, as it will. Sometimes it's just the subtlest movement in the mind, just to remember. Oh, it can, can even be calmer. Can, oh, let it be calmer. Just recognizing some of our efforts, just agitating it a little. Let us relax that. So it's this process of relaxing, it's more deeply letting go. And things keep more revealing themselves what breath actually is, what body is. So it's just, it's a very natural process. And it matures in its own time. There's no making this stuff happen. But the math is helpful because it just tells us where to be placing our focus. What what if everything that's going on will be most helpful to be noticing? And then things start changing again, don't they? Somebody wrote about what's this bumpy experience that's going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, when, when the breath is starting to really get free and the skin starts to go all, all goose fleshy or the hair starts standing up on your arm. We experience this very differently. Kind of subtle energy starting to really rise and saturate the experience of body. Like rapture, joy, and just this, isn't it lovely to be here? And there's a kind of almost excitement in it. And this is an interesting thing. We, many of us have experienced this in other contexts, haven't we? The, you know, sitting by the sea, being with the rhythm of the sea, just letting the mind rest into that. Something starts happening and the heart becomes just expanded with the vastness of the sea and this incredible sense of pleasure starts arising. Or in where I come from, most people spend time in the wilderness. So they know that from just being out, sitting for days and weeks just in in the forest where everything starts to open up and this incredible experience of connection and energizing happens. So it's something I imagine all of you are familiar with and it's how do we attend to this in a way that lets the process just keep deepening in this process of presence and letting go.
Mm. And it's, this is often a tricky juncture for people because in a way in terms of the tetras we're, we're shifting from you know, what's been a really attending deeply to the body to something that's more in the realm of feeling and what seems to happen here and there is that as we, as we make this subtle shift in experience some people just find they're thrown out and the mind's gone off thinking about things or you know, they've just become overwhelmed in some way so the work is to just stay with the breath and if we're not used to feeling what's called pity, this kind of happiness, then it can be a bit turbulent, as the person who asked the question indicates. It gets, the more we experience this within the breath meditation, the more more stable the experience is. we know if you're new to it, it can be kind of whooshing, squishing all over the place. Think, oh, what on earth is going on here? Mm-hmm. We just the trick is to rest, grounded in the breath, mm-hmm. letting experience happen as it will, mm-hmm. and just getting used to this, not freaking, not panicking, mm-hmm. and it's. It has a, a beneficial effect. Mm-hmm. And if you've been under a lot of stress and strain, it can be that to be in this experience where we've come out of fragmentation, we've come out of kind of pressure of the kind of hindered mind into something that feels more open and easy. And we just need to rest here. Mm-hmm. A day, a week, month. Mm-hmm. There's a often a fear in the in the Dharma circles that we'll get stuck here. Mm-hmm. A little bit of happiness arises and we're frightened we're gonna get stuck in it. <laughs> and I haven't ever met anyone stuck here. <laughs> they can get stuck further along in the process. You know? There's classic ones that people are long take, stuck in a kind of a different kind of happiness for ten years. Mm-hmm. And then they need a good knock on the head, which they get from people like Ajahn Mun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we're talking about something different here. So to let the body drink this in. And the Buddha talks about this. So we're not rushing ahead. I'm reading from the Sutta 39 in the Majjhima. Prior to this, there's a lovely thing about what it's like when we're out of the kind of full blast of the hindrances. Maybe I read it. Yeah? 
just a little bit. And if any of you are interested, there's more detail on this. But just the last little bit. So when the five hindrances are abandoned or, or reduced, a person sees them respectively as a debt, a disease, a prison house, slavery and a road across a desert. But when these hindrances have been allayed, they see that as freedom from debt, healthiness, release from prison, freedom from slavery and a land of safety. So at this point we're not talking about hindrances are gone forever, or they're not that they're not subtly around, but that growth pressed down by their mind agitated by ill will and resentment and tiredness, sloth, you know, the kind of coarser senses of this. So these things having having fallen away, the things that weaken wisdom. A person enters a pit, what they start talking in terms of jhanas, but we won't do that because that's a technicality that's not exactly helpful right now. But you enter a state with that there is rapture, pleasure, born of freedom from these. And the work is to drench, steep, fill, and pervade the body so that there is no part of the whole body unpervaded by the rapture and pleasure born of seclusion. Just as a skilled bathman or a bathman's apprentice heats bath powder in a metal basin and sprinkles it gradually with water, kneads it until the moisture wets the ball of bath powder, soaks it and pervades it inside and out, yet the ball does not ooze. So to a person makes the rapture and pleasure born of seclusion drench, steep, fill and pervade the body. So there is no part of the whole body unpervaded by the rapture and pleasure born of this seclusion. And for each of the kind of process of deepening, the Buddha has another metaphor. But we'll, we'll stay with just a sense of really when we have this experience of, of pleasure, rapture, whatever word we put on it, but this kind of energised, filled feeling, we really consciously let it fill, we, we work it into the body. So it's not a mental thing. We're not just letting it dissipate off. You know, because what can happen is the kind of energy and we get a kind of head rush and the creativity of the mind can go a bit crazy. The things we're going to paint, <laughs> the poems we start writing, yeah? you, you know it, don't you? So rather than writing poetry, <coughs> bring it deeply into the body. Let it drench and fill and pervade so there is no part of the body not pervaded by the sense of pleasure, rapture, well being. Ajahn Chah talked about it as taking a warm bath. 
So this is real medicine into our energy energy bodies. Given how much stress and pressure we live under, just to let this fill ourselves. And it may be just within a moment in a meditation session. Suddenly everything lightens. So then we really bring it in and let it do its work. And it may be that you're feeling it out sitting under the trees. When the mind isn't trying to do the meditation. Once again, just let it really heal and fill. Because this gives us capacity. It gives us the capacity to be with what is happening. It starts strengthening this body-mind. So that even out of this experience, we're actually stronger. So the sense is to really trust it. And not to try and do it. Just if it starts happening, to relax. and it it can be a bit whooshy and squishy and you know what is going on here which is what the note says this this is a kind of fruiting that shows that the mind is starting to come out of fragmentation starting to settle starting to feel that it can just be for a time with the breath so we let it. And in the sutra it says, breathing in, we know rapture. Breathing out, we know rapture. So we're, we're staying with the embodied breath so that the, we stay grounded and present to this experience. just as we do with everything else. So, so it's, it's one of the kind of miracles of this form. Wow, this kid thing full of kidneys and livers and whatever, you know? It has this other kind of nature to it, this other quality, this other capacity. It can be known in a different way. It can be known more energetically. (coughs) A more subtle way. So, just allowing this process when it's happening and when it's not. We just, we know, we're just cultivating the conditions that let the mind deepen. We keep 
hindrances are happening, we come under them and start seeing them in terms of body, breath, as dharmas. We don't panic. There's nowhere to go, nothing to do. Process ripens in its own time. And each time we put down the proliferations of the mind, come into the embodied experience right now, we put another drop into that big water jar. And you have no idea how many drops are already there. Yeah. So we just keep cultivating skillfulness. And using the Anapanasati Sutta is a kind of map of how we're working and whatever object we're doing, using. Coming out of trying to do everything. And what's kind of freaky for many people of this kind of transition into the experience of rapture, as it's called in the Sutta, is that it does us, in some ways you could say. We're less, we can experience ourselves as less in control. And, and that's very true if we've been doing the breathing. So it really helps if right from the beginning we've been letting the breath happen by itself. We're not, we're not increasing strengthening our willfulness. And we're not increasing our concentrating our own will by trying to block everything out. So we're letting things happen according to conditions. And we sit here and all of it is welcome. But the our the thing we love and are paying, listening to most closely is this experience of breathing. <coughs> so everything is welcome. Because if you start trying to shut down to get this stuff happening, you'll find at a certain point you're caught. The, the process won't keep unfolding and flourishing. So just notice, I mean, you know, it can be subtle, you know. You're sitting there and everything feels lovely and then you hear something and your mind goes, oh, there's, there's some view some idea going on here connected with control, ill will, however we phrase it. We just know that. And in the knowing, relaxation happens. So, as the retreat deepens, just be aware that we're not concentrating things that aren't helpful. This is how I use concentration. 
in terms of you know, making things stronger. So we're we're actually developing our kind of strength of heart that can actually bear to be with whatever is arising, whatever is falling away. And the this place and the development of the Anapanasati Sutta in different traditions is responded to differently. So in some places we don't let some practice traditions, we wouldn't let this steepen, we would come into just seeing, rising, ceasing. Yeah. And that of course can have great fruit too. So there are different ways of working once the mind has not is not so overwhelmed by the hindrances. Other people find that they get what what are called casinos. Um, images, sensations, sounds starting to become really strong. You know, classically for most people it's kind of strong white light. Yeah? But it can manifest very differently depending on our Physiologically, on the way our body is configured, on how our mind works. So, some people don't get these, many people do. And what we can just know is this is a sign that the mind is starting to unify. And some people take the, so the white light, really let it configure very, very strongly, and then that becomes their object. And that's certainly one way you can practice, and I've seen people with having great fruit in that. So if that's how you've been trained to practice, then to, to, to know that, you know, what else we're saying, it's about, you know, you can take what fits for your relevant. So there are many ways along the Anapanasati Sutta that different traditions have taken the, the development. And all of them, because they finally come into understanding conditionality, they have benefit. Yeah. Yeah. But this, what we're, what we're doing here is just letting this process just keep deepening in terms of the breath. So, you know, weird things can happen. You can get. It seems to be at this point in the process, you get the strange things happening in and out of meditation. You just don't panic. You come back into embodiment, into just knowing what is happening. What we're starting to do to really understand how perception and feeling work. So this is really profound. And you can talk more about it. Just starting to know these things that can so move us around. Starting to get freed up around perception and feeling. It's no small thing. Yeah. So, 
just just letting letting the process happen. And some days it feels possible, other days other things need attention. And that really is the discernment of practice, isn't it? So maybe enough on this for now. People were people have asked about a guided metta meditation and what we thought was that in the first part of the afternoon to offer one so if that's out of tune with where you're up to just know that the first part of the afternoon that will be happening and you might like to be under a tree but the you know, metta karuna you know, we haven't been referring to them explicitly, but they're implicit in everything we've been saying. The very way we establish the practice. So, let's sit quietly for a little bit, and then there'll be times for questions if anyone has anything. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.